But it is a great pleasure this morning to be able to introduce and then pray for Tony McLennan. And I'm going to invite him up now, and then I'll introduce him, we'll pray for him, and we'll let him loose. Are you ready to go, Tony? He's ready to go. Would you welcome him as he comes up? You can set yourself up there while I... I give a, a little plug, it'll all be good, I promise. Thank you. But I've had the pleasure of meeting Tony just a couple of times and hearing his heart and what the Lord's been stirring in him over a couple of years now in the area of raising up soul winners. What a need there is, but what a harvest field presents itself in our city as well as in our nation. As Jesus said, the fields are ripe for harvest, but we pray that there would be the harvesters ready to go. And that's Tony's heart and his passion. And he's been with us. There was a seminar on Friday. How many of us here made it along to the seminar? It was a yell, a few hands around. Was it good? Good time? Enjoyed it? And then they were out on the streets uh, yesterday. And we're just really thankful for Tony's willingness to to be here and just praying that God would stir and, and spark something in all of our hearts. So I really want us to be listening not only with our ears, but with our hearts, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning, yeah? So let's pray for Tony, and then we'll let him go for it. Father, we thank you for Tony. We thank you for his heart for you, first and foremost. Thank you that he is your son. Thank you for this new calling and anointing you've put upon his life to really raise up an army of soul winners. Australia for Jesus. Every time I say it, I just feel like it's a prophetic declaration over our nation. So, Father, we pray that you'd give him everything he needs, not just for this morning, but to fulfill this call that you have upon his life. We pray that there would be many that are raised up, many whose hearts are stirred to fulfill the great commission, to proclaim the great, greatest news that's ever been proclaimed, the news of salvation that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for refreshment for him, for strengthening where he needs it, and we pray that there would be great fruit that comes forth, not only from his life and this ministry, but all of those who would hear this call and respond. We pray these things in your wonderful name, King Jesus. Can we say amen? Amen. amen. Bless you. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. It's just an absolute delight to be here and to be working amongst uh, the people of Canberra, and in particular within Vision Church. We have a presentation that should zoom up on the screen shortly, but while we're waiting for that, uh, I just want to remind you of a scripture which I'm sure you've heard many times, the very first words of Jesus when he spoke uh, to the people in Mark's Gospel. Now is the time the Kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Brothers and sisters, that's our message to everyone around us. Uh, many of us would recognise that we are in a, an, uh, a part of the age which many, many people believe are the beginning of the end times. Uh, there are other people who might dispute that in some way. I'm not here to argue the point on it, and I'm just trying to get this little device to ring. Just go to the next slide if you would. Thanks. Uh, sometimes these things don't work at a distance, even though they work beautifully when you're standing at the, at the uh, sound desk. So just taking hold of that, if they're the very first words of Jesus to all the people in Mark's Gospel, we wonder what are the last words of Jesus in Mark's Gospel. The last words uh, to his disciples are, go and preach the Gospel to every person. He or she who believes and is baptised shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. 
And then it goes on to talk about signs following. And it says that the disciples went everywhere and they spoke to everyone. And so just yesterday we had a team going out, people who are trained here from this very congregation and others. And uh, I'll get them up on the platform in a short while. But let's just go to the next slide and uh, we'll go through these a little bit. What we attempt to do, and I believe God is actually enabling us to do it, is we just train people to do three things. You wouldn't think you'd have to train people for these things, especially people who have been Christians for a long time, but we, we teach people, we train them to pray for the lost, to present the good news, and to parent spiritually those who are coming to faith. If you just click again, you'll notice that, uh, that those things are summarised. Three Ps, you wouldn't have it any other way, would you, except for three Ps. And uh, if you do all of those three things, you will become an effective soul winner for Jesus. It is a fact that within our nation, uh, there are, according to figures that I read in the Eternity newspaper in 2019 before the pandemic, John Sandiman laid out all the figures of the attendance at church, and I did an extrapolation from his figures and came up that the actual church attendance in October 2019 was 6.5% of the Australian population. And when you can contrast that to the early 1900s, when the church attendance at that time was 94%, you can see there has been an enormous falling away from the things of God. Now, people sometimes within Pentecostal churches, particularly who are bright, enthusiastic, spirit-filled, have a real walk with God, seeing God's miracles here and there, wave flags, sing a beauty and songs. We can think that a lot of great things are going on, but it's really only in our holy bubble. If you get out and you speak to people, you discover there's a huge ignorance there, there's a huge darkness out there. But we can allay that because the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That is, anyone can understand it when the word of God goes out from our mouth. From our mouth. If you think about it, in Acts chapter 16, and this was being quoted by someone who was shouting out in the middle of civic yesterday, and it was a good scripture, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. And everyone would know they were the words that Paul and Silas spoke to the, to the uh, jailer when he took fright after all the doors were open, all the locks fell off, and he came rushing to the feet of Paul and Silas and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. And a lot of us leave it there, but then it says they spoke to him the word of the Lord and he was baptised, he and all of his, straight away. So what did they say in that he believed after they spoke to him the word of the Lord? And throughout the book of Acts, the gospel is not called the gospel, it's called the, the word of the Lord. And it says in Acts chapter 12 and Acts chapter 19, the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts chapter 12 and Acts chapter 19, the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. Now, are we seeing the word of God grow mightily and prevailing in our nation? I, had, I, I suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that is not the case. And that's because many of us are silent. Many of us are silent. And it is just extraordinary that is the case if we say, you know, fling wide those heavenly gates and let the singing go out in the streets. Well, let's go out and pronounce the gospel of Jesus. And I'm not just telling you to do this. What we do is we enable to do that. Australia for Jesus is simply a banner heading for us working with pastors to raise up the soul winners 
in their congregations so that they'll put legs on their prayers and see people coming to faith. And that's exactly what happened yesterday, as Charles will tell us shortly. Now, I'm going to try this again and see if it works. No, no hope there. So let's go to the next slide. I might have to abandon this. Just, just on Friday night, we met at Vision Church, and there was a whole gaggle of people, both people within the team and people who just joined the team to be part of the training. Go to the next slide, please, if you would. And uh, you'll see that we then spent some time praying in, on, in the morning before going out Outside, And then we went from there to a place in Civic that Charles McDonald, our local leader, had chosen for us. And you can see there's quite a good group of people there. And then from there we, we split up into teams of two and we went out and spoke to anyone who would listen. That's our only requirement. You know, you get people who sit... You know, what we find is one in five people you meet at random will entertain a presentation from you. How about that? If you knew that, you'd be doing it all the time, wouldn't you, brothers and sisters? One in five will actually entertain a presentation. And what sort of presentation is it? Well, we actually do it on our mobile phone because everyone's looking at these things. Have you noticed that? You go to the bus stop, you go to the railway station, you go to the airport, and there are people wandering around looking at this all the time. So it's not hard to get people's attention just showing them the presentation and asking, uh, can I show you this? Uh, I've just asked to ask a few questions and see what you think. So we go to the next slide and you'll see that uh, we, we've been raising up soul winners for Jesus and there was a good bo body of people from this church involved. You know, Peter Friedman and Celia, Celia, uh, I think it's Quattrochocchi. Is that right, Celia? Quattrochocchi. I think I'm saying it properly. And, uh, and then, of course, there was Ratna from this church. And let's just see the next picture there. It, it comes up. But he wasn't able to make it. He had to go and sell his house. That was a big deal. And, uh, and he did sell it. Praise God. Both he and Helen are rejoicing. And, then, and of course, you can see Charles there. Uh, and Ch I'll ask uh, this group to join me on the platform, everyone who was with us yesterday, or anyone else who wants to come up the platform for that matter. So, Anne, come and join us. And uh, Charles, Ratna, Celia... Uh, if Peter's around, please, uh, anybody else that was with us yesterday, uh, including you right now, we don't want to leave you out of the game. So uh, I just want uh, Charles to give a little bit of a report, and we just do one of those stick microphones, which I know Pastor Andrew's got, and Charles is going to give a bit of a report of what went on. Thank you, Charles. Thanks, Tony. Um, yesterday was uh, one of the largest groups we've had for a while, thanks to those willingness of hearts and people to come along for the first time. In fact, I know there's at least one more here who's not standing with us. So, you know, it's quite incredible to, to see there was actually 12 or 13 ultimately went out on the streets. Normally we have a handful between four and eight of us, uh, so it was exciting to see the numbers grow. Out of that, we had 10 people say the sinner's prayer. Okay. Where would those people be now? You know, you, we, let's think about this. Those ten, if even a couple of those go on to make other soul winners, you know, beyond them, where will that lead the kingdom of God? You know, like, we have to do this sort of thing. And we don't know the future of even those people who heard the presentation in part or full, who didn't say the sinner's prayer, because there's those as well. God... We know that we're only one part of a person's journey into faith. This might be 
the time that they say the sinner's prayer, but we might be just the second or the third time before they say the sinner's prayer. And that's okay, but they have to hear the gospel clearly and being presented with an option. And if they don't say it, the sinner's prayer, it's, it's no trouble. We encourage them, we bless them, and sometimes we even pray for them. Um, that's fine, but you'll be surprised to know that so many people are willing to listen. It's not... The only time I have ever been what you would call abused, and I wouldn't say it was even abuse, was from a former pastor. Okay? And you could see the joy in his face because of the wrong things that he had, had chosen in life. He was the unhappiest man I have ever seen. And compare that to you know, the joy that these guys have as we go out. It was such a contrast. And to see, to see that, you know, having walked away from the Lord, just... Let's, do, um, let's um, perhaps introduce Celia to, to talk about yeah, what went on. Yeah, Celia. <laughs> Celia, what, what were your observations? Just, just... Um, yeah, like Charles said, it was quite surprising how many people were willing to hear and um, in particular how many young people were really um, wanting to listen and engage and was really surprised how considered their responses were. Um, it was great, and in particular, four young gentlemen, um, ages 18 and 17, who all four of them said the sinner's prayer at the end. It was quite amazing. Praise God. And whilst Anne is there, just what do you got to say, Anne? Well, I, I, don't, <laughs> I also find the young people too, you know, they're, they're very open to it, you know, sort of. Um, yesterday, it was like a bloke was dressed like a rapper, <laughs> you know, he, he was so cute, actually, you know, and um, we, we were talking to him, and then I sort of said to him, would you like me to pray for you? It wasn't the sinner's prayer, but he was so open to receive the prayer, and we go, gave him some stuff and that too, and I sort of said to him, I said, can I give you a hug? And he said, yeah, sure, you know, but the young people are so hungry. You know, I've really noticed that. And it is really important to sort of get out there and sort of share something with people, you know, whether it's just by encouraging somebody. The church is silent, you know, sort of like we need to step up and step out. Amen. Well said. Well said. And Rutner, you helped us get the ball rolling here because of your influence. And, of course, Jane O'Neill put me on to Pastor Andrew. Just do you have something to say? You don't have to tell us the price of your house or anything. I don't, I'm sure everyone's curious. <laughs> Praise God, that's soil. That's out of the way. Just lift but, the microphone a bit higher. But um, the joy of seeing people, you know, responding to the gospel is amazing. Uh, as I said before, the numbers. But more than that, people of different nations and faiths have been able to lead to the Lord in Civic, in Canberra. So we don't have to really go too far for the nations. Nations God has brought to our midst that they may hear the gospel for such a time as this. So. Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you, one and all. <laughs> yes, please, John. So, guys, um, I just want to say one last thing. You would probably think that these guys are all evangelists. And it's true that our friend Tony here is an amazing evangelist. But what he's doing is raising up people who are just willing to share the gospel, not evangelists, willing to share the gospel with people. For years, 
look, I've worked, I've, I've been a Christian all my life. I don't have a testimony of a radical change. So I know the goodness of God, but have never been able to share the gospel so easily. And this is a tool that will enable us to actually change Australia by sharing the gospel clearly and with a compelling message to people. And I've seen people with excuses to leave, even yesterday, excuses to go away, but they were compelled to listen. Mm. And this is what it is. It's raising up people who are willing to share the gospel, not evangelists. Hear me when I say that. It's not about your gifting of evangelism. This is, are you willing to share the gospel? Hallelujah. Thanks, John. Let's give everyone a hand as they take their seats. So, so what, what Charles is saying is this is open to everyone. Don't sort of let the enemy put in all sorts of discounting. Well, we don't need that, do we? Thanks. Thanks, Pastor Andrew. I had a double barrel there. <laughs> uh, don't, don't let the enemy put in excuses or variations. You can learn to do this, and we help people to grow in this. And it's not all about street uh, encounters or anything like that. That's just a way of practicing it. It's to help us to be able to share the gospel to anyone, anywhere, as the Lord gives opportunity as well. So if we go to the next slide... Uh, you'll see that, um, thanks very much, that we've had quite a lot of campaigns since we got started in April 2018 with the church in Chatswood in Sydney. We've had almost 30, we've actually had 30 campaigns here and if we go to the next slide, there have been many people that prayed the response prayers <clears throat> and the, the great thing about this is we're mobilising uh, soul winners across Australia. We actually launched our ministry not long after I, I left my role as the CEO of Bible League, we launched our ministry in Margaret Court's church in, in October 2017, but really it started to get some grip from, from about April onwards. So they're just some of the recent campaigns. If we go to the next slide, uh, what have we got here? Oh yeah, people wonder about what the outcomes are, or we get uh, a lot of anecdotal reports, there's just a few, just keep clicking and you'll see pictures of people who've been baptised, have been introduced to their pastors by soul winners, and people who are you know, radically saved and going on for God and their relatives being touched as well. Just keep going, just keep rolling till they go over to the next slide. So there, there are things happening. and We don't get every story because, <clears throat> as you know, there's a wide variety of things. And the presentation we use is called The Way of Life, and that's reminiscent of, of John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as we go to the next slide, you'll see that we have... Uh, some questions we ask and all I do is I approach people and say with my mobile phone of course because that's the most interesting thing about me is my mobile phone I can tell because when I approach people they don't look at me at all they just look at the mobile phone and I say look hello my name's Tony and I'm sharing this uh, little presentation called The Way of Life and Andrew is with me and uh, we just want to ask a few questions to see what you think and we go flick to the next screen and that's the screen and you say what is the point of life and then uh, they'll say happiness or something like that. And we say, well, look, what happens to happiness when someone dies? And they'll say, well, they go to a happy place. A lot of people say that. They, they believe in some sort of fantastic afterlife. And uh, we go to the next slide and we say, well, how can you know that's the truth? And uh, they'll say, well, that's just what I believe. And we say, does God exist? And can you know him? Well, I know there's someone out there. Uh, it's interesting how people instinctively know there's someone out there. And then uh, is there a heaven and a hell? 
And uh, they'll say, well, I believe there's a heaven, but I'm pretty sure there ain't no hell. These are common responses in about 90% of the cases I deal with. So that's why I can rattle it off like this. And we go to the next slide and I say, well, look, you know, do people automatically go to heaven when they die? And they'll say, well, I hope so, which sort of puts a bit of a hole in their previous reasoning about how everyone goes to a happy place. And we go to the next slide and I say, well, just suppose you were to die tonight. Now, we don't want that to happen. We don't want you dying tonight. We don't want you dying uh, for a long, long time until you've had your full term on the earth. But just theoretically speaking, if we were to die tonight and stand before God and he were to say to you, Joe or Bob uh, or Aidan, as one of the people we spoke to yesterday, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And they invariably people say, look, I've tried to be good. Will you please let me in? And we say, well, look, you know, before we got started, I felt we had some good news for you. Now you're going to find what we get to tell you is really great news. We go to the next slide and we say, can you read the second line there? Not the fine print, but just the second line. Can everyone read the second line for us? The good news? You can't make yourself good enough for God. And they'll say, that's not good news. <laughs> I've been trying, sort of, for a long time. And we say, well, let me just show you. And then we start to break it down into a next slide which talks about a, a cake. I think we should have a cake come up on the next slide if we can find it. Yeah, and uh, we say to the people, you know, if uh, a person was to, uh, to eat this cake, um, it might be a problem to them because someone's drizzled a dessert spoonful of kerosene on the cake. It's only a little bit of kerosene, but would you eat the cake? And they said, no, it wouldn't be very good for my liver. And uh, in fact, you probably could die if you actually ate a quantity of kerosene in any sort of cake. You know? And then we go to the next slide, and I think that's the end of our slide sequence on that, but just go to the next slide if you would. And uh, so you can access this way of life presentation. If you go to the next slide, I'll just give you an address down belief uh, on afj.org.au. And if you've got any questions, you can find our address details on the bottom. And if we go to the next slide, uh, we're just going to go to a scripture now, and uh, I want you to read along with me if you would. I'm just going to get a bit closer to the screen just for the sake of reading clearly. Now this is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 to approximately 22, and we're reading from the NIV, the New International Version, but the 1984 version, which I think was their best version. It seemed to vary a bit after that time. So leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. This is Jesus. Uh, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, uh, to fulfil what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We go to the next slide. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they lifted their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Father, as we read that passage this morning, we pray that you'll 
make your word real to us by your Holy Spirit and that we will not only hear, not only respond, but we will apply it obediently to our lives that we may see the fruit that you intended through this word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if we go to the next slide, you'll see, well, here we are at the next slide already. Uh, the key words of Jesus, the first words he spoke to his disciples when he came out of the wilderness were those words you see on the screen. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And we're going to sort of dissect those words a little bit. We're just going to concentrate on that one verse so that all of us will get it personally, that this is Jesus' call to us, to all of his disciples. And so if we look at that very first word, the first thing Jesus says to us is to come. And by coming, he means come to me personally. Come and meet with me. You'll notice that... uh, When Peter uh, was following Jesus after Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane, that says in the scripture that Peter followed at a distance. At a distance. And, And all that followed from that evening is a reflection that he was following at a distance. But Jesus wants us to follow him closely. He wants us to come to him first. And the way we come to him, of course, is in prayer and, of course, in worship. But as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And some years ago at North Shore Christian Centre, an ACC church that I was very much involved in, uh, we had a visitation from a group that was spelling out some very deep and significant Christian things. And I was led by the Lord to, to spend some time every Saturday morning in prayer. The Lord actually said to me, come and meet with me. Come as early as you like, I'll be there. And brothers and sisters, I actually got to the church. It'd be like if Pastor Andrew provided me a room just you know, for myself and others could join me. Maybe a bit like that prayer room we were in. And uh, I was there and I had the security code. And I got there at 4.30am, but the Lord always beat me to it. <laughs> I actually thought, brothers and sisters, you know, it was almost worth sighthood to be at a church at 4.30am on a Saturday morning. But, but the reality was that the Lord manifested his great and personal power to me and others began to come. And before long, we had 10, we had 20, and more and more people would gather. And God was doing something so much so that in that church, we ran 34 Alpha courses over a 10-year period. If you can imagine that, that's three or four a year over that time. It was like a combined harvester. The church went from 250 to 750 and I had, by God's grace, a party of about, or a group of about 30 soul winners in that church. God was showing me what was possible if we begin by coming and being with him. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Early in the morning, a great while before day, Jesus got up and went out to a solitary place. And Simon and those that were with him, when they finally woke up, I'm adding that bit, they, they went looking for him, and when they found him, they said, All men seek for thee. I'm using the King James Version here. I hope that's admissible. And uh, I just love that. All men are looking for you. Why were they looking for you? Because he got up and he went out and he met with his father. And in that download of the Holy Spirit, all men wanted to seek for him. And now if you want all men to seek for you, if you want people to come to you, it's because you're walking with Jesus. That's the overflow that you're going to bring into other people's lives. 
So the first thing Jesus wants us to do is come and be with him. And I'd suggest that this is a magnificent church. I've just been tapping into the spirit here. Uh, it's just wonderful. The worship this morning, the, the, the whole atmosphere. It's a magnificent church. But you know, you can get used to a church if you're a part of it for a long period of time. I get around and I know there are various churches that... Uh, uh, I, I could tell you some funny stories, having been the CEO of Bible League. I've been to all sorts of different churches, you know. And, but it, this is a church, it's a praying church. And, but we want to take that, we don't want to just run the engine of prayer, we want to put it into the transmission and take the car somewhere, don't we? And the way we do that, we, the way we put rubber on the road is when we go and we share Jesus with whoever will listen. You don't have to share Jesus with people who won't listen, no one's telling you to do that. Just share Jesus with whoever will listen. And then the next thing that Jesus wants us to do is follow me. Now, this is a very simple sermon. I hope it's not too intellectually lowbrow, you know, because I know that in Canberra you've got some very, very gifted people. There's probably quite a few PhDs in this congregation and other gifted people. But follow me means do what I do. It's not just following me around physically, even though it meant for the disciples that meant that. And for us, it means following him around spiritually. But do what I do. That's what Jesus wanted us to observe. And what did he do? Well, the thing I noticed about Jesus, he was very much for the individual. He wasn't necessarily only into the vast crowds. There were vast crowds from time to time. But a lot of the time, he was talking to individuals. Think about, think about Nathaniel. Here is a man who in all of Israel is without guile, Jesus said, as Nathanael approached. How do you know anything about me, Rabbi? He says, I saw you before Philip called you under the fig tree. What, what a beautiful thought. And, and what, is, what does Philip say? What does Nathanael say? Rabbi, you are indeed the son of God. And he says, you're going to see greater things. So we see the individual. We see the individual in in the woman at the well, we see the individual Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. We see the individual with the man who was born blind. We see the individual with Mary at the tomb. We see the individual with uh, Peter by the lake. And we see the individual with Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. So what we're saying, if you're following him, he wants to zoom right in on individuals. And he wants you to carry forth those words of life. That's why the angel got Peter and John out of prison. He said, go and stand in the marketplace and speak these words of life to the people. And he wants us to do that, especially in these last days. Uh, one of the characteristics of the last days Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached unto all nations and then shall the end come. So we we derive from that that God has the last say. The anti-Christian spirits that are running around trying to defile all our laws and our customs and our culture will not have the last say. God will have the last say. But it's through you speaking those words. So follow me, Jesus says. Now the third thing Jesus says in that very short passage is, and I will make you. This is really good news. We don't have to sort of adopt behaviours that are tantamount to being an evangelist or some special sort of anointed individual, he does the making. I remember Pastor Andrew, I was up the back of the church, no insult to people who are up the back of the church today, but I was up the back of the church on a Sunday evening in 1994. And Lily Wilkinson, whom you don't know, was playing a grand piano on the platform 
And she was singing a song to the Holy Spirit. Unusual songs directly to the Holy Spirit. Usually it's to Jesus or the Father. But this was a song to the Holy Spirit. And she hit a certain key and suddenly I was just overcome with grief. Here I was up the back of the church when I realised the deep, deep disappointment of the Lord towards the way I've been living my life. I hadn't been doing anything really wrong. I'd just gone neutral on reaching out to others. I got so involved with my business activities and family responsibilities and so forth that I hadn't put aside. And I was just crushed. And thank God it was a, it was a parquet floor, not a carpeted floor, because I left a pool of tears about this wide on the floor. I'm not exaggerating. I just wept and wept. And a, and a man was handing me t- bunches of tissues that weren't enough. And I kept on weeping and weeping and weeping. And uh, at every prayer meeting, I'd be the guy weeping and groaning in the corner as God had given me his burden for souls. It was just too much to bear. And eventually someone asked me for some reason, oh, it must have been the Lord, not them, uh, asked me to come and preach at the church. And as I preached uh, on Abide in me and I and you and you'll bring forth much fruit, fruit that will remain, people began to come forward and the presence of the Spirit was just so palpable, so tangible as people were touched by God and, and transformed, transformed into... And that, out of that came all those Alpha courses. Out of that came all this soul-winning activity. Out of that came God's anointing. And so I'm saying to you, he will make you. And, and I just remember uh, a number of cases in point. I think it's very important to... There's a young man by the name of Peter... And he and uh, my son Benjamin uh, were knocking around in the front of the house and uh, my son Benjamin wanted to show uh, Peter a whole bunch of guinea pigs that my other son John was sort of breeding. Breeding is probably the operative word. And, uh, and th- th- we had to have two hutches. I built one hutch and I had to build another one so we could house all these guinea pigs because... I bought a pair of guinea pigs, you know, a male and a female. My wife said, don't, don't buy it. I'm sort of not into, you know, same-sex marriage. So I, I, bought, I, I bought, this wasn't even a topic at the time, but it seemed to me you've got to have a male and a female. So before we had more guinea pigs than you can really poke a stick at. And when they moved, when they moved, they almost thundered, you know. To, you know, you could hear the, the stampede. And, 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 and Benjamin was over there playing cricket and he said, look, I've got something to show you, Peter. And he brought Peter over to look at this little cage of these guinea pigs and he said, and, and as they approached, they all went over in the corner of their various cages and put their little heads down as if to say, if, if we can't see you, you can't see us. <laughs> and Benjamin said, look at these stupid animals, which I thought was a bit unkind, actually. And, uh, and Peter said, and Peter said um, well, maybe evolution will be kind to them. And I was within earshot, and I couldn't let that one pass. And I said, no, these guinea pigs are going to be reproducing after their own kind, and they'll never be anything else other than guinea pigs, because God has designed them to be like that. And he said, do you believe in God, Mr. McClendon? I said, Peter, I don't just believe in God, I know God. I had an encounter with God as a military officer in 1974 on a military base. It was like being hit with 10,000 votes. Volts, uh, not votes, although that some, some, uh, some of our politicians would like to be hit with 10,000 votes here and there, I'm sure. <laughs> and that uh, slip of the tongue. You know, I'm, not, I'm not talking politics here, by the way. And if, anyway, and Peter was quite interested. Now, I didn't know that Peter, his father, had been a Catholic priest and he'd got a papal dispensation to, to, to get married and, and he had quite a family. And, uh, and I, I said to Peter, look, I'll tell you what, Peter, why don't you come over and you and I will go through the Gospel of John 
and you can ask any question you like and I believe God will give you the answer and reveal himself to you. That's a bit of a bold claim, isn't it? I wasn't quite sure how God was going to do it. And uh, so he came over to my place. We had, would read one chapter of John and any questions and so forth. And we did this two or three times. And on the second or third occasion, uh, whilst I was rabbiting on about something deep and meaningful in John chapter 2 or John chapter 3, the Holy Spirit fell upon Peter. And Peter's reaction was, my God, you're real. And he felt the deep disappointment of the Lord towards his life. We would call that conviction of sin. And he said, I'll never disappoint you again. And he said, when he walked out of that room, he said, I knew I was a Christian. I knew I knew God. And as he walked home, he said, I was expecting a vision of angels any moment because I felt the presence of heaven all around me. And when he got home, all his family eventually under miraculous condition, came to Christ, including his former Catholic priest father. And, and Peter is one of our leaders to this day, and he's just doing an outstanding job. So I mention this because when you're walking in his will, his hand is on you. And that's what he means by, I will make you. And then the final point is fishers of men, fishers of men or women of young people, is that what Jesus is saying, there's going to be an outcome. I know it's great to sow seed, and we want to sow seed, but the scripture says, whatever a person or a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow unto the flesh, then of the flesh you reap corruption, but if you sow unto the spirit, what do you reap? Eternal life, not only for yourself, but also where you're sowing, sowing the things of the spirit in other people's lives. There will be a, a harvest, there will be a crop. You know? that, that's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you're the man or the, per, the woman who is first to sow the seed is first to reap the harvest. Okay, so what, what we're expecting here is a harvest of souls, not only through you, but through others. And, and I remember uh, some years ago, not long after I was saved, going down to Melbourne, and uh, my parents were really upset because I'd left the church of my traditional church of my upbringing. To give you a clue, I went to a Christian Brothers College in Melbourne. And uh, they, they were really upset, and in fact, they gave me the front room, which was a bit of a privilege, and... There were all these statues around the front room and, and uh, the Holy Spirit in me was really disturbed about all these statues. So I got them all and put them face down on top of the wardrobe and had a good night's sleep. Well, the next day I got a rude note from my dad to say, you know, you know something about these statues. I mean, the household gods. Uh, I'd put them to bed, so to speak. And uh, so that night we were having dinner and my mother and father, I don't know if you come across this, probably not in your marriage if you're married, but my mother and father used to sort of argue and bicker a lot, even though they were very faithful in their church, they'd argue and bicker a lot. And so, and so when, when they were arguing and bicker, I just reached across the table, consider it bold, I, I don't know, it was just the Holy Spirit. I grabbed them both by the hand and with tears in my eyes, prayed that God would reveal himself to them. No, a bit stunned, of course. And, uh, and uh, under his breath, my father was saying, I warned what this man's got. So when God moves through you, brothers and sisters, don't limit him. And what happened to my father? Well, he eventually came to Townsville where I was involved at Calvary Temple. There was a pastor, a wonderful pastor. I was on his ministry team by this time, Pastor David Cartledge. And uh, my mother and father came forward at the altar call. The Holy Spirit came upon my mother. She fell like a sack of potatoes on the floor. She'd never experienced anything like this. But nothing happened to my father, and he said to himself, Oh God, I've missed the boat. And uh, the pastor got an elder to bush him out of the back room. He prayed for him, and by the time I'd got my mother back on one of the pews and 
got into the back room and I came through the door. Uh, this, this diminutive Chinese guy was praying for my father, left hand on his right hand, right, right shoulder. He's saying, Bill, do you really love God? And my, my father said, yes, Keith, I really love... He got halfway through the word love, very short word. And he was interrupted and the Holy Spirit fell upon him, whoosh, like this. And he didn't just speak in tongues, he yelled in tongues. So much so that everyone in the congregation this side next door, singing their hearts out, were drowned out by him singing in tongues. And he could barely speak in English for three days. All he could do was, in the married quarter that the army had provided me, uh, he could rock backwards and forward and say repeatedly, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. He never smoked again after that, and he wore a cross for the rest of his life. So the reproductive force of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit continued, and everywhere he went, he would tell others about Jesus. This is the sort of Pentecost we belong to, brothers and sisters. This is the outpouring of the Spirit, not just for us to have wonderful experiences, although anyone walking with the Lord is going to have wonderful experiences and, and operate in peace and joy. But remember back to that scripture, that scripture which says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and the people who are dwelling in the shadow of death, to them a light has dawned, and you are that light. Because as you go in the anointing of the Spirit, you'll bring that power to bear, and people will change. There was a young, I'll make this my final comment, and of course you can see Charles, who you can see is pretty keen about what we're doing, and uh, he's a wonderful leader, and he and I have known each other, we worked together in Business Alpha uh, for years here in Canberra, and he ran a very, very capable group out of one of the departments, we won't mention which, because it keeps changing its name. <laughs> and, <laughs> but but uh, so Charles would be there, but just to, just to encourage you, I, I remember a father-in-law contacted me and said, Tony, will you meet, because I, I, I was doing, in business, I was doing some business coaching, and someone heard I did some coaching, and so they said, um, he said, would you look after my son-in-law, he's, he's wondering about his career, he was a Navy diver, sort of like an SAS equivalent in the Navy, would you, would you speak to him? So he came to me, and we, I said, look, put away the money, I'm not interested in the money, just let's sit down and have a chat. And I gave him a little test, and he came up with two out of ten spiritual. And I think he was exaggerating because he was an atheist. So you can't have any spiritual life if you're atheist, really. And, uh, but I didn't, I didn't take issue with that. And I said, look, you know, uh, I've got an office here in the Scots Church. Now, the Scots Church was a Presbyterian church, a bit like St Andrews. But, you know, God can work miracles anywhere. You know? uh, we don't want to dismiss these Presbyterians. They're wonderful people. When I was working with Bible League, I know they say they'll be the first up in the rapture, but, uh, <laughs> for reasons we won't go into, but they were so wonderful to me that the, 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 the minister in charge of, the moderator in charge of the Scots Church gave me an office. And so we went into the chapel, and I was taking this young man, Daniel, through the presentation of the way of life, and he was denying it all the way through. It was unpromising. No, I don't believe in heaven. No, I don't believe in hell. No, I don't believe in God. It's just fairy stories to, that they make up to tell kids so they'll behave themselves. This was his tone. Anyway, I got to the two questions. This is, this is fairly way into the presentation. And the, the question, first question was, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And I didn't put it that way. The Holy Spirit led me to insert one word. You can do this. And the one word was could. Do you believe that, that Jesus could have died for you? And this young man, this atheist, this hardened atheist, this really tough guy, he was like a commando, like an SAS trooper, he said, could have. Instantly he said, could have, I felt the radiant presence of God fall around me and blow me down if the Holy Spirit never also fell on this atheist guy. 
And he started, he looked at me, and he looked around the room, and he said, what's happening? What's, what's happening? I said, it's the Holy Ghost. He's come to warn you of the sin in your life and the need for repentance or the judgment that's going to come. He said, what do I do? I said, pray this prayer. <laughs> and he's one of the people that you saw on, up there being baptised before. So if we go to the next slide, let me, let me leave this message with you. It's a message not from Tony, it's a message from Jesus to you. And he's saying, brothers and sisters, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's his call on each one of us. Not just the disciples back in those days, but any disciple today. So we'll leave the presentation at that point, thanks. And I'm going to give an invitation to anyone uh, who would like to, and I, I don't know if the musicians come up to play at this time, if they're ready. I'd like to give an invitation to anyone who says, now look, as you've been speaking, I feel God's been speaking to me for some time now about being an effective soul winner for Jesus and somehow communicating the gospel to others in a way that's clear, compelling, compassionate and complete. We don't want to leave half the gospel out. And uh, if that's you, I want to invite you as the, as the music starts up, just to pop out of your seat and come down. I'd just like to pray for you that God would set his seal upon you to, to continue in this work so that your influence will spread just like the influence of so many others. It's interesting that that young man, Daniel, when he finally stumbled out of the Scots church, he rang his wife up. And you know women are very perceptive. Gentlemen, you can't hide anything from them. They can try. Okay, very perceptive. And even over the phone, his wife, Alicia, said to him, what's up? And he said, oh, I think I've become a Christian. <laughs> and she said, what? And she demanded to see me. What have you done to my husband? Why has it happened to him and not me? I said, your turn's coming. <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, sure enough, uh, she uh, was, we, we introduced her to a wonderful pastor and uh, both he and, she and Daniel were sitting down and the pastor said, let's just to make sure that we're all on the same page, let's pray the sinner's prayer. And Alicia prayed the sinner's prayer and began to cry as she came out of conviction. Beautiful. We, we give all the glory to Jesus. We thank God for his Holy Spirit. We give glory to our Father in heaven for what he has been doing. And we're setting an example for you here at Vision Church. There's something special about this church. I know that others who are with me from other locations would, would say that today. Something special about this church. There's a readiness. There's an obedience here. When I came in, uh, everyone was saying a cheery good morning to me. Pastor, you'd be proud of me. And uh, I, I felt so welcome straight away. No one walked past me without saying, no one said, who are you, or anything like that. They just said, hey, good morning, or how are you doing, or whatever. Everyone's just so friendly. That's the Holy Spirit at work. We've got so much to share, so much we can give to others. So I want to encourage you, come forward, receive some prayer. We can pray for you that God will raise you up as a soul winner for Jesus. Don't worry about being an evangelist. Leave that to others. You may even grow into that. Maybe you're a latent evangelist. But look, if you're a soul winner, you can be immensely powerful and immensely impacting. And, uh, and of course, Charles and others will be at the stand in the cafe afterwards. We'll be able to give you more information. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Let's have a song. And perhaps anyone would like to come forward for prayer. Very, very welcome. God bless you all.